Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 219 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. It's Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew here this week, starting with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. What's up, Richard? Hey, Seth, what's going on? Uh, not much. Uh, ready to talk some more War of the Spark spoilers. Like, it's an exciting set, an exciting time. I love spoiler season. Uh, but before we get into that, we also have Krim, a magic mythic invitational <laughs> and now pro tour competitor, Krim. How's it going today, Krim? Uh, it's going well. Thank you for that very, very nice intro. <laughs> Uh, you're going to play Esper, aren't you? You're going to go to this modern pro tour with the busted mulligan rule where everyone's trying to kill you on turn two with broken mulligan-enabled combos, and you're going to play Esper Control, aren't you? I call I know it you fair grim. magic. I call it fair magic, first <laughs> off. And second off, it's... it's uh, You know what? Maybe I won't. Maybe I won't. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't think am. you're fooling anyone, Grim. You're not, you're not fooling anyone. <laughs> yeah, I most likely am. <laughs> Uh, anyway, our topics for today, mostly War of the Spark spoilers. We have a bunch of new cards since last week, some really cool stuff, so we want to talk about all that. We also have some weird or kind of unique Netflix slash MTG news that kind of came out over the weekend that we wanted to talk about. And then, of course, we want to uh, get to your fish mail to wrap things up today. So, anyway, let's start with the fun stuff. Let's start with War of the Spark spoilers and uh Richard. Why don't you lead us through some more of the Spark cards? All right. Hot off the press this morning, we got a mythic, legendary, human mutant, Rolex. <laughs> Rolex. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call him Rolex forever now. Rolex yeah. Apex Hybrid. Two green, green, blue. So five CMC, four, five. Legendary creature, human mutant, flying. Trample. When Rolesk enters the battlefield, put two plus one plus one counters on another target creature you control. When Rolesk dies, proliferate, then proliferate again. Hmm. I don't know what to think about this one. Like, I see it's got a lot of text on it. It has fairly good stats, especially if you consider the two plus one plus one counters coming down on something else. But then at the same time, it's like smaller than Doom Whisper and smaller than Lyra and probably not as busted as Hydroid Crossus. So I'm really on the fence about where this card fits in standard. Like it seems like maybe it can be good enough in the right deck, especially if you can abuse the double proliferate or maybe play like Tisa Karlov and just like proliferate four times and ultimate all your planeswalkers. That sounds really fun. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know where this card fits in standard. What do you, what do you guys think on this one? You definitely need to use the proliferate. Like, I, I think this is bad as like a, a self-contained finisher or something. It's not just like powerful in a vacuum like Hydroid Crisis. Uh, so you somehow need to take advantage of this proliferate. I don't know. Can, can you like make some kind of token deck with counters or something? And then when this dies, proliferate out to your planeswalkers. Like, I. I just don't know what to do. Like, this thing is not big enough. It's not scary enough. It needs support. So it has to be some kind of synergy combo deck, I think. I mean, I, I just don't think it, like, maybe not right now. I think that it could try to find something maybe after, like, rotation. Who knows? But uh, the the thing here is right now, like, when it, it, it there is the nice fact that you can, when, when it dies, it proliferates and then proliferates again. But the 2-1-1 the counters going on to another threat, it's kind of... 
if you have another threat <laughs> and it isn't like blown up when you try to target it or something, it's kind of cool, right? Like you could potentially have something that replaces itself. What if what if yeah. you don't it, have another threat? It does. Yeah, absolutely it's, nothing. it's just the worst thing ever. If you don't, if you don't <laughs> like you're, you're top decking, that you play this, it does nothing. They doomblade it, it still does nothing because you have no other permanence. And you're like, wow, could have been a hydroid crisis. At the, at the same time, though, there are some cards we see from War of the Spark that work well. Like the new Ajani, uh, the negative two puts a counter on each of your creatures and a loyalty counter on each of your planeswalkers. So maybe some sort of like Bant deck with Ajani. A couple of the random uncommon planeswalkers like uh, Jing Young Yu puts counters on things. He cares about counters. Arlen kind of does in her own wolfy way. So maybe you can like... Uh, have a deck that puts counters on your creatures and then this also like resets or helps power up your planeswalkers what do you think about just like saltai well the normal saltai deck is there any argument to playing any number of these like you do have wild earth walker branch walker jade light ranger you have a lot of countery stuff maybe some planeswalkers some Veraskas or vivians can you play a copy or two of this in like saltai midrange or is it just not good enough this doesn't feel that good though right i mean i'd rather just have vivian like, cause like, I, I don't know, like I, there's, there's a, it hits the five slot and that's, that's kind of interesting. What are you, like, what are you getting out of this five drop and is it worth it? And I don't feel like it is. I feel like there's gotta be, like, I would just play Doom Whisperer over this in, in Sultai. Yeah. Also, if it gets like Veraska contempted, you don't proliferate. So like, I, I don't know. I was like so conditional. So I, I think the biggest draw is if Uncommon Planeswalkers rule standard, this gives you a way to basically plus two all of your Uncommon Planeswalkers. So, like Tibalt. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Just you, wanted you to clarify. Keep that Tibalt going. <laughs> Richard, uh, as our resident filthy casual, what about Commander? It is a legend. <laughs> so bad. There's a lot of... Is it so bad? I mean... You can't proliferate. Like, <laughs> you, you go to the command zone, right? So you need to dump it into your graveyard to proliferate. Hmm. It should have been so when it leaves the battlefield, and then you'd be like, oh, okay, now I have a legendary human mutant. What X-Men-themed deck can I build now? But now, you're like, its abilities literally do nothing, right? So, the, I think it's probably busted if you can blink it. <laughs> like, that probably breaks something, I would assume. I mean, yeah, blinking it and then proliferating twice. <laughs> Wait, doesn't Venser just like super duper like <laughs> like the Venser <laughs> yeah, would be yeah, sweet? Yeah, Venser would go nuts with that ability. <laughs> what what about in the ninety nine? Like Atraxa cares about similar stuff. Vareal, Azuri, Claw of Progress. Do you think this is is it Commander playable? Not as your Commander? Maybe I don't know. I mean, it's kind yeah. of dirtily, but it's just too proliferate. It's not. It's not, like, game-breaking, right? It's just, like, incremental advantage, which I don't know. I'm not too excited about playing this. How about that? <laughs> like, maybe you could slot it in, but it's not, like, the card I take home and, like, I'm going to build a deck around it, whether it be the 99 or the commander. Uh, yeah. You notice I started off this conversation talking about standard. It should tell you how exciting I am. Uh, I, <laughs> I was about uh, this card here. Next up, here's a card I am excited about. We have Massacre Girl. Three black black. 4-4, four, four, legendary creature, human assassin, menace, 
When Masked Girl enters the battlefield, each other creature gets minus one, minus one until end of turn. Whenever a creature dies this turn, each creature other than Masked Girl gets minus one, minus one until end of turn. <laughs> I think this card's really good. I think I've seen yeah. this before. I like it. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Okay, wait, okay. Is it good in standard or is it good in commander? I think it's nuts in commander because the chances of you chaining this off all the way to kill, like, I don't know, some indestructible 11-11 is probably pretty good. In standard, if there are two twos on the battlefield and you play this, you're like, well, that's sad. I have a five mana, four, four menace. Worse than our previous uh, roll-esque, right? So do you think it's playable in standard? I could see it getting played. It's, I mean, how often are you thinking about it when you're playing your creatures? Like, at least for the first couple of weeks, right? Like, all right, I'm going to play a 1-1. I'm going to play some X2 and then an X3. And I'm not really thinking about like, oh, I better play around <laughs> like getting chained off by Massacre Girl. But, you know, that like I think for the first couple of weeks, you could really dunk on people with this card. I think like I think it is standard playable. It is a little <clears throat> high variance matchup wise. I guess like four four menace for five is not absolutely horrible. I think the problem in standard is it's either insane, like against uh, any of the white aggro decks or even the red aggro decks or like Selesnya tokens, gruel midrange. This is basically just going to be a wrath most of the time that leaves behind a body. The problem is it's standard. Like those decks are popular, but then also Esper control, teamer reclamation, Simic reclamation. So I feel like uh, in those matchups, it's, it's floor is pretty low. Like you wouldn't play a 4-4 Menace for 5, and in, like, half of the top-tier matchups, it's going to be a 4-4 Menace for 5. But I guess at the same time, your normal Wraths are not good against those matchups either. Like, if you're playing Kaya's Wrath, you're not happy when you draw it against Esper or any of the Reclamation-style decks, so maybe it's better than that in some sets? I don't know. I think this card is going to be a Wrath more often than people think. Like, I think the way it double triggers, like, if you hit two X1s, you get multiple triggers out of it to jump up to, like, hitting three drops. I think against a lot of creature decks, you're going to be able to, uh, it, like Krim said, especially right away, uh, maybe people start to play around it eventually, but I think you're going to Wrath the board more often than you think with this card. Hot take. I think Chain Roller's better. <laughs> I think. Oh, like, you know, it's three mana like a strike <laughs> well, if you chain roller someone you pretty much have won the game right like if your chain roller does something useful uh and then other times it does nothing but it's a three three first strike i think massacre girl is kind of in the same spot like if you kill anything it's good uh the dream scenario where you like chain reaction and kill the entire board i guess it could happen but i'm guessing that's kind of like the limited auto win like, that will happen very frequently in Limited. But in Standard, like, I don't know, either you kill their 1-1s and they're pretty much dead anyway, or you somehow chain up to kill their, you know, the, the dream is to kill uh, a 1-1, a 2-1 dork, kill a knight, a knight token from Vanalia, and then work your way all the way up to Venerated Loxodon and say, I got you. But, you know, <laughs> like, sure, but, you know, a chain roller early on kind of does the same thing. So I think it's strong, but I don't think... You know, it's that strong. I think people are overestimating, like, the I one-sided wrath you. Because, you know what? You're going to wrath yourself as well, right? So it's basically just Maybe. a creature that wraths. Uh, okay, if you have, like, a Galta, <laughs> you, you might survive, right? But uh, <laughs> if you're wrathing their board. <laughs> but the thing is, like, chain, it's like 
now you give black access to a chain whirler, which is why it's also pretty sweet. Cause like before I, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not, I'm not yeah. going to add a triple red card to some of my black decks here. Right. Outside yeah. of like Rakdos and stuff like that. Maybe they can play it, but, but like, I'm thinking like th- there's definitely some applications with this card where you can like, I- I'm just thinking about it now with the ETB on the stack, you know, or I, I- I'll like shiv and fire one of your things to put three, da- like put it at like three damage just to get the perfect one, two, three up the ladder. And it, it makes, it's just a fun card more than anything else. But I think in best of one specifically, uh, th- this, this card will be a lot of fun in best of one. Yeah. And you can also help out Masker Girl, right? You can Masker Girl and then cast down. Yeah. To like start the reaction off, right? So it, it doesn't just need to be Masker Girl uh, killing everything. Yeah. That's a lot of mana though. I mean, <laughs> like if you got seven mana hanging out. Oh, no, sure. let's say you have a Planeswalker, right? You Masker Girl and then you minus your Planeswalker or something. I, I don't know. So oh, do we like Masker Girl? Are we jamming Masker Girl? Are we just gonna I, I like Masker people? Girl a lot. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm gonna get people. I like getting people. So even if it's bad, I'm gonna try. I'm, I think I would consider this in my uh, my modern Esper deck for the the Pro Tour. I'm just, I'm just I'm just kidding. I'm not gonna do that. Uh, but it, it would be funny. But I I'm gonna try this. I'm gonna play this in everything for up, up like up front. Like a, when it comes out, I'm gonna try it in a few decks and then see how it goes. All right. Next up, we have Dread Horde Butcher, black and a red. So two CMC, Zombie Warrior one one. Haste, when Dread Horde Butcher deals combat damage to a player or planeswalker, put a plus one plus one counter on Dread Horde Butcher. When Dread Horde Butcher dies, it deals damage equal to its power to any target. I love this card. This so card good. is one of my favorite cards from the set. It's so, so controversial. Either people think this is the most broken card in the set or one of the best cards in the set or that it's going to be absolutely unplayable. And there's, there's not much middle ground as far as people's opinions on this card. Ah, I think it's probably going to be pretty good, especially, especially when you win the die roll. These, it's, like Slith Firewalker, I think, from Mirrodin, which was like a pretty playable card 15 years ago. It's very similar <laughs> to that. But if you get to play first and you get to get in the attack on turn two and start growing this, it's pretty easy for it to snowball into just like a massive creature. And if your opponent kills it, you get value out of it then too. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd, like just. I'm, I'm more so just excited because it's a zombie and I can play Jun zombies. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like legitimately, the fact that it's a, it's coming down, it's got haste and it deals one damage to a player or planeswalker. The, the fact that you can hit a planeswalker with it and still give it the one, one is something that I really like. And as, especially with how many planeswalkers are running around in this set, uh, and, and like what, what that, that means for all, like just planeswalkers in general. So, uh, that's pretty sweet. I just like that. And when it dies, dealing the damage anywhere huge fan of that so i i'm a fan of this card yeah uh, i started playing magic again when stromkirk noble was the thing yep that's what uh, i was thinking. yeah it gets out of control fast uh if it dies it pings on the play it's especially good because you can either block your dork then you know with your mana dork i guess that's fine otherwise this thing gets out of control and then of course uh, you guys have seen the turn three kill magical Christmas land, which is not even that magical. This is actually the most legitimate turn three kill I've seen in standard that doesn't involve bad cards. So it's basically turn one, do nothing. <laughs> turn two, dread horde butcher, get in. Turn three, uh, what's, what's the thing? Collision. Collision Colossus. Collision Colossus to pump it, hit him, and then thud. <laughs> <laughs> That, do, that does add up to more than 20 points of damage. And it has trample, 
right? So it has trample. So if they have blockers, they're still dead. Two of these three cards are good. We played, you know, if Dreadhorde Butcher is a decent card, Collision Colossus is a good card on its own. Thud, maybe a little questionable, but it's only three cards and it's a turn three kill, right? And you definitely need to hold up removal because uh, you will probably get through blockers. So I actually think this is a pretty legitimate thing and people will try this and someone will die to this on camera. That will be super sweet. It's a little sad that you gotta play Thud. Thud <laughs> is kind of like very medium as far as how good it actually is. But killing people on turn three in standard is sweet. I wonder, I wonder if this could show up in modern. Like in modern, you have like become immense and some really powerful pump spells. Like, could you just play this in like a Jun Death Shadow deck <laughs> and get in there and like pump it with become immense and kill people? <laughs> What does it have to do with Dreadhorde Butcher, though? You can become immense anything. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, I'd rather become immense to Inkmoth Nexus. <laughs> but Thud. But then you could Thud and get him. But then you'd be playing um, Thud in Modern. <laughs> yeah, but even even if you don't Thud, right? You've dealt your opponent like a ton of damage, and this thing is now uh, a 3-3. Three, three, and when it dies, it does additional 3 damage, right? And then if you you know want to get spicy, you could like duress on turn 1 or something to actually make sure this happens. So, I don't know, I think... I think there'll be a deck like this. Remember when we had Teamer Battle Rage in Standard? Oh, yeah. Uh, and that mono red deck, and you just be like, yeah, out of nowhere, I killed, you know, I 20 you, right? Like, I think this could be one of those, those I things. think it'll be good. I don't know if the thud part, I, I don't know if that will be, like, where it ends up as far as the competitive decks, but I do think Red Horde Butcher, even without the three-card combo, is a very strong card. It's only five mana, so you could, like, journal around, do nothing, and then your opponent taps out, and on turn eight, you just run in with the Dread Horde Butcher, <laughs> Collision Colossus, and thud them out of the game. Right? That, <laughs> that could be a thing. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have Tulsimer, Friend to Wolves. Two green, green, white. Legendary creature, Elf Scout, 3-3. Three, three. When Tulsimer enters the battlefield, create Voja, Voya. I don't even know how to say that. Friend to Elves, a legendary 3-3 three, three green and white wolf creature token. When a wolf enters the battlefield, under your control, you gain three life. That creature fights up to one target creature you don't control. This card also feels really good. This I thing, think, this should I, be mythic. It's very, it reminds me of a, of like a, not quite as good, but of a Huntmaster of the Fells a little bit. It's got a little bit of Huntmaster, uh, going on in it. It seems just like such a great stabilization card. Similar to like Trostani, where if you're playing against any sort of aggro deck and you can get to this and slam it on like turn four or five, you gain three life, you kill one of their creatures with the wolf, and have two three threes left over on the battlefield, and if you ever make another wolf somehow, which uh, probably not going to happen too much in standard, you get to gain more life and fight more things, feels like a card that could be pretty good in, like, random mid-range versus aggro matchups in standard. Yeah, this is a card I definitely want at the five drop. It, it does a lot. It does a lot. So I, I really, really, really like this card. It's something that's super powerful in, and, and for five, this does everything I want it to do, right? It comes down, it gains me life gives me another body helps remove something as mentioned uh, th this this card is sweet and the yeah, it's, cool. it, it, it's like a four for one or something right you get yeah. two bodies you get to gain life and you get to fight something like it's it's crazy and then uh, if for whatever reason you have more wolves this like keeps giving right so i wonder if there'll be like some incidental like wolf or something like oh can you imagine what's the two mana three three wolf 
Watch Wolf? Yeah. Is it a wolf? The one Watch that was wolf. the Celestia is one? Is Watch Wolf a wolf? The, the Celestia mean, it thing. It says wolf in the yeah, name. Yeah, it's but, gotta be. Yeah, it is a wolf, right? Like, can you imagine if, like, there's a Watch Wolf in the set or something and you can make a Celestia beater deck and you curve out like this? Like, oh. it's You can curve into Arlen and just, like, make wolves every turn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think this is really good. And there's also uh, Arlen's wolf. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Technically. <laughs> that technically does exist. <laughs> the one thing I dislike is it's in weird wolf colors for Commander. This seems like a super sweet wolf tribal commander for uh, Commander, but wolves traditionally, like Immerwolf and some of those wolves are more like in green-red, so it's a little awkward that you can't play any of the red wolves in your commander deck. That's If I had one complaint, like, drop that green mana, add in a red mana so it's like a Naya legend, then it would also be really sweet for commander. Are there, what are, like, is that the only red wolf? I can't think of any. Most of the wolves Wolves? are green, and most of the wolves are, like, tokens. Alright. I mean, I think, like, Wolves from Innistrad, like, well, I guess a lot of them were werewolves as well. Like, Huntmaster yeah. is technically not a wolf. Uh, Pyre, Heart Wolf, don't want to forget that. Immer Wolf. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, wolf, okay. wolf of Devil's, Devil's Breach. The only one you remember? Need. The only one you need is Tundra Arlen. Wolves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think this is really good. Uh, really good in Commander, too. And I think a lot of people will see this and like wolf tribal, whatever, but I'm like, no, man, just think of this as like weird hunt master or something for standard. It's still pretty good just as like a value card. And if you randomly get wolves, great. If you don't, you're still good. Uh, next up, we have a land mobilized district. It's a rare land. You can tap it to add colorless. You can pay four mobilized district becomes a three, three citizen creature. With vigilance until end of turn, it's still a land. This ability costs one less to activate for each legendary creature and planeswalker you control. <laughs> I think this card is really busted. Every other people do not seem as high on it as I do, but we're going into a standard where what do we have in this format? Dominary gave us like a million legends. Now we have War of the Spark with a million planeswalkers. It doesn't seem that hard to have at least like maybe two legends slash planeswalkers on the battlefield and if you're activating this for two mana it's a really powerful creature land if you get it down to one mana it's basically a close to strictly better uh mutaval or mishra's factory which are two really playable lands back to like modern and legacy people are playing those cards so i think yeah you gotta build around it a little bit you can't just slot it into any random deck because if you're paying four it does lose a lot of its appeal but i feel like in the right shell this is a very strong creature land. Come on, guys. Come on. Are we talking about Commander? Because I think it's great in Commander. Uh, here's the thing. People can't even play Field of Ruin, right? The mana bases are being like stretched, you know, too thin. So in another standard, I can see how this could be strong. But right now, if you're not even playing Field of Ruin, which I would argue is like way more important than trying to play this dirtily 3-3. Uh, would you play this? And also, like, a lot of the legendary things we have are not creatures, right? Like, uh... I guess that's true. Like, his Kanta or Azur's yeah. Gateway or the Like, like the Sun. artifacts, the creatures. If this was historic or just legendary, it'd be a lot stronger, but I don't know. Like, let's say you have one or two. Like, you're just paying two mana for three threes, like Treetop Village. I mean, it's like... 
Let you play that in your Jun deck, Richard. In modern, in <laughs> yeah, your Jun deck, <laughs> but it makes colored mana. And I, I get really sad when I have Treetop Village in my opening hand and I can't bosses. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah, maybe I, think, I just like this card because I'm way greedier than everyone else, and I still just jam a bunch of Field of Ruins in my five color decks and just trust yeah. well, that, <laughs> in the magic gods that it's going to work out. Now you need to cut the Field trust. of Ruins to put in Mobilized District. Would you? Are you willing to do that? I have to. Well, I guess now you have to play Field of Ruin to deal with your opponent's mobilized district. No, so you just play. Any, you play like one Wild Growth Walker and <laughs> explore, and you're good to go. I think there's decks where this is good. Like if you're playing blue white super friends, and you have Karns and Teferis and Tezzerats, uh, and you're just stacking up, yeah, Raf and Lyra and. July, there's a lot of options. And in a deck like that, I mean, this can even be free. Can you imagine this is just free to activate creature land? That's so insane. I mean, I don't know. Let's think about this curve though. The new Teferi, <laughs> turn four, you start attacking with this, you know they can't kill it with a removal spell. Uh, oh, I'm yeah. thinking real big here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know about this freeze. If this was free, you probably have an active Teferi, like a Lyra or something, and like a Kaya, right? <laughs> for, for this to be free. I don't know that this matters anymore if you have four <laughs> legendary creatures and planeswalkers on the battlefield. But, right? but I, I guess if enough? someone has like pacifismed Lyra and then uh, you, <laughs> you played Galta and they pacified that too. <laughs> When I when I ask if this card is good enough, I'm thinking like, is it still just good as a four mana three three that dodges board mm. wipes and stuff like that? So it, it, you know, like yeah, sure, it goes around a board wipe, which is why you know creature lands have always been pretty sweet, right? Does it gets around all the sorcery speed stuff? Uh, but it's it's obviously going into a two color deck, maybe even like a mono red deck or mono white deck or something like that. Yeah, uh, maybe so mono this white. way you have something after a board wipe, but it yeah. is a four mana three three, and like maybe that's good enough on its in like a really like just a mono color deck. Well, mono red can never play this because a chain roller, but mono white could. Yeah. I wonder about modern. We've seen like these fringe decks that are kind of like <laughs> What? Isumaru, Isumaru, Kaithion, Mox Amber, like play a ton of legendary into Thalia. And you could have this like beating down for three along with a bunch of dorks on like turn two for free. I, I think I'm going to take Raging Ravine. I don't know. I feel like I have like double fixing and it grows itself. <laughs> Modern is a tough because you always have beautiful and no one randomly plays beautiful. Yeah, like or, like or you beautiful. could play Ink Moth. I mean, it does, but beautiful costs one mana to activate, right? And it's like, everything. Yeah, which usually <laughs> is relevant. Which usually means it's a three-three Merfolk or something, right? Like yeah. usually it's fine. Or the third fairy <laughs> for their spell stutter sprite or something like that. Yeah. Uh, Krim may or may not have gotten me with that, but, uh. <laughs> hmm. Before we get to, uh, our next card, we have a sponsor today, and our, the sponsor of our show today is Audible, and Audible is where so many inspiring voices and compelling stories open listeners up to new experiences and ways of thinking, and now you can get more than ever before as an Audible member, with three titles every month, one audiobook, and two Audible originals that you can't hear any place else, and they even have a super sweet app, a convenient app where you can access Audible anytime at the gym, commuting, on the go, and on any device. So uh, I think Audible 
It's pretty awesome. They have some really awesome books. One of my favorites on there is called Mistakes Were Made But Not By Me. And it's one of the easy... <laughs> It's one of the easiest uh, to understand breaks down of cognitive dissonance. If you like psychology, it's really interesting. Uh, the, it really helps explain the way you think and why you think the way you think. So I don't know. I like that type of book. Psychology is a really interesting topic to me. So that would be my recommendation. But if you want to check out Audible, you can start listening with a 30-day free trial and get your first audiobook plus two Audible originals for free by visiting audible.com slash MTG Goldfish or texting MTG Goldfish to 500-500. That's audible.com slash MTG Goldfish or text MTG Goldfish to 500-500. So thanks to Audible for supporting the show today. And uh, yeah, let's talk some more spoilers. I have to check that out. Mistakes were made, but not by me. The motto of like every <laughs> magic player. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> I, I no, there's no way. I, I never misplay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, back to spoilers. Uh, all right, here's here's where we get into more experimental territory. Death Sprout, one black, black, green, instant. Destroy target creature. Search your library for a basic land and put it on the battlefield tapped. Then shuffle your library. <clears throat> it's like a Sweet. removal and a ramp spell at the same time. Would you I, ever play this? I like that. I oddly like that. I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe some teamer reclamation. I mean, not teamers. Salty reclamation can use this to like ramp itself up in standard and also keep itself alive, right? <laughs> I like it. I think the question is, would you ever play this over like Veraska's Contempt or something? I and think- maybe like if you can. I think it depends on the composition of your deck. The best thing you can do with this is, like, kill something on turn four and then play Carnage Tyrant or, like, Big Veraska on turn five. That actually seems like a pretty big swing. So I think maybe if you have, like, enough good six drops, this is in the conversation. But I think for, like, your average deck, you probably would still just play Veraska Contempt. But but you get you get things like, uh, what's the two-mana spell I already forgot? The blue-green one that lets you draw a card, play a land? Uh, Growth Spiral. Yeah, there we go, Growth Spiral. Yeah, this... This could be earlier than turn four, right? This could be turn three. You'll already have four mana. And then you go up even farther ahead on the land race. I don't know. I think it'd be pretty cool. You know, this would be perfect in the old Wolf Run decks where uh, you pretty much just need to stay alive, get to six mana, and you win. Like, no matter what happens, as long as you have that six drop, you win. So it depends if we have, like, a strong ramp deck. Uh, the the one problem I do see is if you're playing this against Esper, like you're pretty screwed. Like if this was destroy up to one target creature, it I think it would actually get a lot better. You like four mana ramp, sure, why not, right? But uh, it's just literally a dead card, and uh, you're gonna have to find a target to kill. But uh, against everyone else, I think if you can ramp up into something, like uh, I don't know if we had like an Ugin in the format that board wiped. Like you could ramp into that or something. I, I think there's potential. Statue, just saying. <laughs> I I do appreciate that it doesn't say your opponent controls, so you can do the path to exile trick and like kill one of your own guys if you really need your land drop. Yeah, yeah. And also the or art is gorgeous. You could kill Rolex and uh, double proliferate. <laughs> yes, <laughs> got him. <laughs> Not only did I proliferate twice, I got a land. <laughs> All right, next up, we have Krenko, Tin Street Kingpin. 
Two in a red, legendary creature Goblin, 1-2. When Cranko attacks, put a plus one plus one counter on it, then create a number of 1-1 one, one red Goblin creature tokens equal to Cranko's power. Hmm. <sighs> so, obviously no, it's a Goblin nothing. tribal card. Okay, it's a Goblin <laughs> tribal card. It feels like it can be powerful. The problem is, if you're playing Goblins, you already have Legion Warboss, and you already have Goblin Chain Whirler, I feel like this might just not be as good as those two options. Even in Goblin Tribal, maybe if you're playing, like, some sort of very aggressive, like, Cavalcade of Calamity, care about one power creature type of Goblin deck, this could be better than Chain Whirler. But I feel like this is a powerful card that is just, until rotation, like, the third best option for a red three drop in most decks. I would play it if it were a two drop. (laughs) He's so strong as a two-drop. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But yeah, I just... Exactly like what Seth said. There's just too many good things at the three slot, and I don't know what other deck would really want this. All right, step aside, filthy casual, which you're coming here now. Imagine... So I mean, it's not that bad, or is it? I don't know. It's a three-mana. it's bad. It attacks as a two-three... And it makes two one ones, right? So that's basically a siege rhino, right? That's four or five <laughs> in power. But <laughs> I, I, I don't know. But okay. What if you collision Colossus or Giant Growth Cranko before okay, combat, Richard. and you dodge and you dodge the removal? Does it die to cast down? <laughs> right. <laughs> you get collision so many Colossus train or, today, dude. <laughs> maybe Jundas Shadow and Modern. <laughs> I I think something's gonna happen here. Become immense. Yeah. And- <laughs> oh, that'd be pretty sweet. Yeah, uh, it is it cool that you can use pump spells like that. Okay, that here's is, the problem. You do that, your opponent's like chump block, goblin chain roller, kill all your goblins. <laughs> Masker girl comes in and has a field day. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I I think there's potential for something here. You make a lot of one ones. I mean, I think we're also just to the point in Standard where Standard is really big, and we're going to have rotation. A lot of the competing cards are going to be rotating, so I feel like a lot of the cards that I'm kind of mint on right now, it's not that they're bad. I think they're decent cards, but they're cards that I am looking forward to reevaluating after rotation when there's less competition for all these slots. All right. This is my Haunt of Hightower of the set, Seth. (laughs) <laughs> a couple months down the line there's going to be a crazy goblin deck <laughs> I'll be I'll be tweeting with, with about how awesome Cranko is and yeah, yeah. <laughs> people are like oh can you imagine I had like 30 tokens on turn 4 like how is this possible <laughs> we're going to lose to it on commander clash and <laughs> oh you definitely will lose to it on commander commander I think is really strong I think uh, even as commander or as part of the 99, can you imagine this with like a Xenagos or something like, oh, you just get so <laughs> many. <laughs> well, initially, isn't that just two power? Well, no, but Xenagos will like pump it to like four. Oh, I guess so. Does yeah. It? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it keeps. Uh, all right. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. What, what, okay. What if I had it? What if I had a coat of arms out or something, right? Like, oh, yeah, I'm coat of like, arms can coat of arms is insane. This thing would be like a everything good though. <laughs> Shared animosity, super sweet with this, and Goblin Tribal and Commander. So there are some sweet tricks with this card. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up, we have Soren, Vengeful Bloodlord. Soren is a rare, two white and a black, so four CMC, four starting loyalty. As long as it's your turn, as it's your turn. Creatures and planeswalkers you control have lifelink. Plus two, Soren deals one damage to target player 
or Planeswalker, minus X, return X, a return target creature with converted mana cost X from your graveyard to the battlefield. That creature is a vampire in addition to its other types. This reminds me of uh, a Johnny. It reminds me of the four mana Johnny in standard a little bit. With the with the reanimation, I don't know if it's as good as that, but I do, I like Sorin. I like the idea of playing it in an aristocrat style deck where you can keep getting back cheap things to sacrifice multiple times with the negative X. That seems really powerful. Lifelink on your turn kind of suggests some sort of aggro deck where you're attacking. You could play it in Vampires. I don't know if Vampires actually would want this or not. Maybe it would want it. I don't. I don't know. What, what do you guys think on this one? Yeah, I'm kind of kind of right there with you. I, I I know this is a little too strong, but I kind of wish his like passive was like like a plus one plus zero or something. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the thing that required, like, emblems yep, in the past would just, just be a passive. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it could, it could be pretty cool. Like, the minus X is, is big. And the fact that he, uh, Soren plus twos is pretty sweet. Uh, that, I, I like that. That it can go uh, up to six counters immediately on turn four. Uh, just like Karn and stuff like that. And the minus X, I, I don't know. We'll see what kind of decks come out of those colors for it to really matter. It could be good. If we can find, like, cause I mean, if it's just a reanimation spell, that's pretty sweet. I'm not gonna lie to you. Like, just being able to reanimate anything for, like, the three, like, maybe Mardu, grab back a, a Judith or something like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, four mana reanimation isn't that bad in standard. Even if it's, like, slightly restricted by not getting big things right away. Right. Yeah. It's weird. Like, his plus two doesn't ping creatures. So his plus two's just, like, ping your face or a planeswalker. And it's really gonna come down to that minus. But a four drop is pretty good. At, at the, at minimum, you're just replacing Soren for another four drop that's like dead that you've played in your deck. So assuming you'd want it again, right? So, you know, yeah. it's decent. Yeah. You could just like keep getting back Ornithopter every turn. <laughs> like oh, to yes. jump block. Precisely what I wanted to be doing with Soren. You've broken it. <laughs> we've done it. <laughs> All right, last card. We have Storov Devrakin Lich. One black, black, green. Legendary creature, zombie elf wizard, 5-4, trample. Uh, once Storov deals combat damage to a player or planeswalker, return to your hand, target creature or planeswalker card in your graveyard that wasn't put there this combat. It doesn't do anything right away. That's That's my... That's my concern. There's like Are a you saying it dies to Doomblade? <laughs> Does <laughs> not die to Doomblade. Yeah, it, <laughs> like, it dies to Doomblade, quote unquote. But the problem is we have like Golgari Finebroker, which is like same slot in the same deck that doesn't die to Doomblade because you get a permanent back right away. You don't have to untap and attack and get through blockers. It feels powerful, but I'm guessing it's not going to see much play. Maybe you could see, like, one of play. The stats aren't bad, but I don't know. The fact that you have to play it, pass the turn, hope that it lives, and then even after that, you still have to, like, get through your opponents. If they have a, a Doom Whisperer, like, this just never does anything. I don't know. When you have Hostage Shakers and Chupacabras and so many things fighting for that 4-drop slot, are you really going to play this over any of those cards? Yeah, pro- definitely not. <laughs> definitely yeah. not. I- I'm right there with you. <laughs> for 4 mana, it comes down and, like, it just usually just dies or something to, like, like a, a Chupacabra. I- I- even-, even then, I just want more utility out of my 4-drop anyways. 
So I'd rather just play something like, yeah, like a Chupacabra or a Hostage Taker. Yeah. On a side note, I think we've said this about most of the cards, where we're like, it's pretty strong, but not strong enough for standard. But we'll pretty much wreck your face in in limited. Uh, yes. So this is a really high-powered limited environment, but you can imagine Storov on the battlefield, two attacks, and like the game is over. Uh, so it's going to be pretty interesting. There seem to be a lot of bomby cards, and maybe they all just cancel each other out. Who knows? But limited will be interesting. Cards are really strong, especially at the lower rarities. And everyone's guaranteed, like, Planeswalkers, which limited is going to be really insane with this set. It's going to be very unique, and I'm definitely excited to try it. Yeah. Very nervous. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, you need to master this. Wait, you're playing? Are, yep. are you playing War? Yeah, yeah you're going to have yep. to master this immediately. It, it, you don't even really get to master it, though, because the set releases, like, after the Pro Tour, right? This is, like, a pre-release Pro Tour? I guess so. I mean, like, the, the thing is, it just looks... For me, I'm... I mean, it is a pre-release Pro Tour, I guess, and uh, it, it's just... How do you play with so many planeswalkers <laughs> like like how how does the format shape out what archetypes because before it's like well planeswalkers snap keep that in in my deck right like uh, i mean i guess we could treat them as enchantments that's that's a thing but uh the set is like i, I i've been trying to evaluate all the cards and how to play them in limited and they all seem just like bombs 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 and that's it i mean i guess the good news is everyone has the same uh, is in the same situation, essentially, since no one can really play it. I guess you just have to play, like, 24 hours a day the couple days before the Pro Tour, once it's out on, like, Arena and Magic Online. Just yeah. play, 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 play as much as possible. Guess so, yeah. I mean, there, there's definitely some interesting cards, so I gotta... <laughs> I gotta figure out this set. <laughs> so that's all our spoilers we're gonna talk about. Uh, you can check them on their website. We have a new short URL, mtgpreviews.com. And you can check out all the latest spoilers or wait until next week on the podcast. Yes, we'll definitely fill you in next week with whatever spoilers uh, come out. And daily spoiler videos go up on the YouTube channel during spoiler season. So you can check those out if you uh, don't want to wait until next week. So uh, we're going to jump into fish mail really quickly. But before we do, uh, one brief excursion into another topic, which is uh, it kind of was discovered, I guess you would say, yesterday, I believe, that... Uh, a few months ago, almost a year ago now, uh, Wizards filed for copyright protection along with Netflix for something related to Magic the Gathering. A Magic the Gathering uh, short-form show, seasons one and two, a series. Uh, so this just kind of trickled out, and it's mostly funny because we were talking based on the trailer for War of the Spark that we talked about last week, how maybe Wizards could actually make a really cool like Netflix show. And now it seems like Wizards might be thinking along the same line. So did you guys see this uh, document that was discovered? And what do you make of it? Oh, I saw the I... document. I don't understand it. There's <laughs> 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 nothing flashy. It's like literally like, you know, a Word doc with some stuff. It, on it looks it. like more like notepad. Like just like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, looks, I, I don't think we know anything, right? We just know that there's something happening, but there's no actual details, right? Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, there's no real details. Um, 
And I would urge caution. We we had the MTG movie thing uh, a few years ago, which was kind of hyped, and we were all like, yeah, they're doing this and talking about it, and it never happened. So I don't think that this document, like, guarantees there'll be an MTG show on Netflix in the near future, but it does kind of confirm that Wizards is at least thinking and moving that direction. So who knows how long it'll take or if they'll actually get there, but even that's pretty exciting. Yeah. So what do you think it's going to be? Do you think it's going to be one of these, like, dark and gritty adult series or do you think it's going to be like Saturday morning cartoon geared towards kids I think it'd be like that show like Dragon Prince <laughs> I don't know it, it's uh, it's got it's a little bit like more Prince? long <laughs> okay well like like Avatar the uh, the airbender show. okay so for kids yeah well, oh, wait, is Avatar not for kids have I insulted it's, it's, lots of people I don't know I, I guess technically <laughs> it's for kids but I I don't know it doesn't feel like a kids show it's like written to where it's like it's it, it's written well enough to where you, every all it's like an all ages show so, so like rick and morty watch. something like that well no 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 rick and morty you know <laughs> what i mean like i'm not showing that to like my four-year-old child right like, I mean, <laughs> yeah i'm i'm expecting it to be kid friendly at least i don't know if it'll be for kids or like for all ages but i don't expect like i don't know some over the top uh, humor and swearing and whatever like I expect that it will be appropriate for all ages hopefully it's written well enough that it's actually interesting for older people because really like even though magic is a kid's game quote unquote uh, most of the players are like I don't know upper teens through their 20s and 30s so hopefully that they they know that's their audience and don't make it like I don't know some little kids cartoon cartoon but I think it's going to be a little kid's cartoon. So th- their audience is like us, right? We're like older, we work or whatever. Uh, we grew, you know, like we know about magic from the 90s. They already got that demographic locked down. What they need is like the 10-year-olds to stop playing Fortnite or whatever and to like play <laughs> magic, right? So I think they're actually going to go after that demographic, right? So that's a way to, you know, you're just randomly watching Netflix you see Magic the Gathering, you watch it, you're like, oh, that's cool. Oh, there's a card game, and then you go play it. So I, I, I would think they're using it to get new players as opposed to, uh, you know, if you wanted to go after the existing market, it'd probably be a more serious kind of, uh, you know, like the Marvel series or something on Netflix, right? Like those are meant not for kids, but for adults, right? Or if you want the kids shows, then you go cartoony. So I think they're going to try to get this new generation of kids that haven't played Magic. That's my guess. That's a good point. Uh, like, I mean, yeah, you're, you're right. Like, with, I'm just thinking about, like, how, like, okay, how, what is the art style then, right? Like, they, they give you this cartoon. Remember Valor's Reach? <laughs> exactly that. Gideon comes in with four arms the yeah. size of the entire uh-huh. screen. And he's like, Nicobolus, your days are numbered. <laughs> the, all the planeswalkers are in high school. And, you know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like that's because then, like, if you if you take that art, like, obviously, I'm kidding about the high school thing, but maybe that's a story arc. Who knows? Um, and and then you go and look at the magic art. It's like, whoa, this is way more visual. If you would like, imagine like a kid going and like watching the show that's like super cartoony art, and then finds like the ultimate price promo. <laughs> like dudes just holding like uh, someone's head in a bag, and like you know what I mean? Like, oh. <laughs> That's a that's a good point. I don't know what they're gonna do about that. I mean, you you could go the opposite. You could be cartoon, but like for adults, and just be like super, I don't know, like visceral and things with the art, 
and yeah. make it super dark. Uh, <laughs> gritty, gritty filming, like where there looks like there's grain on the screen all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that's a, that's a Netflix update. Why we still have a few minutes left in our cast. Uh, let's hit up some fish mail. We've been a little inconsistent with special episodes and stuff the last couple of weeks, so I really want to make sure we answer some questions this week. So, Richard, take us away. Fish mail time. All right. If you have questions, send them to at MTGGoldfish with the hashtag MTGFishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. Dan Iskinder. With Phoenix and Dredge being so much of modern metagame, will playing more Exile removal like Path and Settle, uh, or is it too slow against those decks? Should we be looking at more white decks to fight off the meta? Krim, <laughs> do you play Settle the Wreckage? Do you know like my deck? Because if you do, you would see that I play two of them. <laughs> I have absolutely enjoyed, like, had a blast. Cause no one, no one really, like, it, it's a known thing now, right? I mean, I, I've, I played Settle the Wreckage. I'm gonna be a Settle the Wreckage hipster a little bit here. Like, whatever you want to call it, right? <laughs> but I've been playing it before it was popular. No, like, I, I've been playing for a while, right? And still, to this day, no, like, it's, even though it's known, not many people play around it. Uh, you're seeing now a lot of people playing things like, Nile Spellbomb as like three of to f- like four of in the main deck. You're seeing, uh, like, like control decks, like blue white just dropping the Snapcaster plan, playing maybe one or two, and then just like playing rest in peace in the main. So exile right now is just very, very popular. Detention spheres and, and you know, like you're, you're seeing like Kalidus in the main out of like the mid range decks, which I am a huge fan of. So I think Exile or whatever you can do to Exile right now is very important because that's just where Modern is. Between Phoenix, Dredge, and, and you know, now it, like we'll see with the Mulligan rule, but I assume there's going to be a lot of Dredge. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think, I don't know if you want to, like, go crazy uh, and, like, build your deck around those effects, but I think if you are uh, have a tiebreaker, like, sometimes you see uh, decks play, like, choosing between Anger of the Gods and Slag Storm. Uh, if, right now in the meta, you definitely want to choose Anger of the Gods because of Exiles, and the same with, like, Settle versus some other sweeper options, so I feel like it's kind of like the tiebreaker, so I don't think you just want to build, like, oh, I'm, like, the four Settle, four Anger of Gods deck. I don't <laughs> (laughs) know if that's a good plan because there are so many different decks in the modern format but if you're choosing between similar effects the one that exiles is probably the right choice all right urza's takaria i can't remember if seth and richard have ever been friends on commander clash is it because seth knows that richard or knows richard better than to fall for his tricky tricks tomer and krim fall for it every time (laughs) I think uh, I'm the one that's usually warning people about Richard's tricky what tricks. What tricks? I have no tricks. <laughs> what are you talking about? All my cards are on the table. You can see my big dirtly beaters. <laughs> I I feel like for some odd reason, I just never catch on to Richard's tricks, probably because they always somehow end up king-making me, so I guess I don't really mind. <laughs> but, but Seth... That's not me, okay? That's... That's that that my misplay. That's just how it happened. <laughs> RNG, okay? <laughs> okay, all right, sure, sure. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll Venmo you later. <laughs> check check your bank account. <laughs> 
No, like, like legitimately though, I always fall for Seth's. Oh, I don't know. I'm just sitting here. You know, Seth just stays quiet while Tomer and I obliterate each other's boards <laughs> and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, oh, well, what do you know? You lost a goblin game. Oh, come on. <laughs> Uh, yes, I, I have learned from Richard, actually, with Commander, that I, I used to just, like, say, oh, like, do I win this turn and stuff like that, but I've learned that the right strategy is just to, like, kind of sit back, look non-threatening, let everyone else fight it out, and then hopefully steal the game by surprise when everyone doesn't expect it. So I've definitely learned that from Richard and his tricks. Oh, you missed, Scrim, you missed Seth in his early days. It's like, oh, I think I win next turn. This is like during someone else's main phase, by the way. They're like, oh, okay, I guess I'll just wheel your hand, strip mine you. Yeah, oh, we better kill Seth then, yep. Oh, I think, I think I've got it, guys. A full yeah, I, I, I need to stop falling for that. <laughs> the, the whole, like, I mean, yeah, like, good you don't announce it anymore, but now because you don't announce it, you're always just sitting there in the corner, drawing a million cards, never casting too many things, just enough. To make it so that you're doing something, and I'm always suspicious, so. <laughs> Got my eye on you, uh. Seth. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, next up we have competitive non. Because Wizards loves printing alternate mana costs like Delve or Phyrexian mana, what if this was, uh, what if this power was used for good? Imagine your local FNM, but instead of playing one mana of red for lightning bolt, they had to do 10 push-ups. <laughs> oh, so many people have, are playing Burn. Have they done so this in Silver Bordered? <laughs> <laughs> a this little bit. This like, Silver Bordered. High fives and stuff like that, yeah. yeah. How about I every mean, time you... <laughs> every time you minus Teferi. <laughs> you oh, dude. Do <laughs> 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 I, would have, I would be so ripped if I... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe maybe that might push me away from playing Teferi. I, I think the question is, how fast can you do 10 push-ups now? Because I don't think your matches are ever ending. <laughs> get slow play if I don't, like, get a slow play warning if I don't do my push-ups fast enough. Yeah, like, stop sandbagging the push-ups. That's yeah, only 6 yeah. to 10, man. Like, <laughs> slow play. Why is your back arch? <laughs> mm, that would be fun. They, they should make some of that, or you know, no, no, they shouldn't. Reminds me of the dexterity cards. <laughs> no, they shouldn't. You know how in Magic, either you do it or you don't. Yeah. Uh, what if we brought like the other gaming elements where you could do it fifty percent? <laughs> you like tap your mana; it's not tapped enough; it doesn't count. Oh wow! <laughs> oh, can you imagine all the hands that would go flying up at like a like a Magic Fest, <laughs> like or a GP? <laughs> Judge my opponent actually didn't tap the full. <laughs> Yeah, you have three quarters of a red man in your mana pool. What do you want to do with it? <laughs> it's only two damage with lightning bolt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Captain WoW 26. Since War of the Spark is centralized around planeswalkers, if you were a planeswalker, what would your colors and abilities be? It would probably be, like, essentially Jace Bellerin. <laughs> <laughs> just literally Jace Bellerin? Yeah. Just, just draw cards. Everyone draws a card. Draw a card. Everyone draws a card. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's about right. I think for me, I, I mean, I know mine would be blue-black, right? Like, I would be a blue-black planeswalker. I just don't know what abilities I would have. Uh, and I don't know. Richard, you played me. I don't know. What would I have? Well, I, I think you, you came up with uh, the Baleful Strix fixed version or something, right? Oh, like you're My gonna super be like Strix. <laughs> <laughs> you, you would be blue-black. Um, it would draw... You would draw a card as one of your abilities. 
your ultimate would probably be Rise of the Dark Realms. And then your minus would be create a 5-5 five, five demon. <laughs> yeah, there we go. A 5-5 five, five yep. demon, done. Uh, what would I be? I think I'd be five color. My plus would make me a 50-50 token. No, no, no. You would, you would tutor through your deck. It would go, look through your deck for a thespian stage. <laughs> Minus oh. put a strip mine from any from anyone's deck or graveyard into play on your side. How hilarious would it be if your planeswalker <laughs> minus and became thespian stage and you could like turn your planeswalker into a land and it's a strip mine? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that that would be that would be that would be hilarious. And your and your alt would just be create an emblem that creates a haunt of high tower <laughs> token every turn. <laughs> oh, that would be that would be so busted. <laughs> uh shackens with wizards opening the door for rare and uncommon walkers do you see this becoming a thing in future sets uh no i don't think so i mean maybe we'll see rare once in a while but i don't think that we will normally see uh rare and uncommon planeswalkers that that would be my guess yeah, I, I don't think we'll see them that often. But in the same way, like, we're not supposed to see, like, vehicles that often. We still do get, like, the random sprinkling of vehicles, like, one every couple sets. Do you think they'll ever just make random uncommon planeswalkers? Or is I that too, too breaking? I think yeah. maybe we'll see, like, more War of the Sparklight sets in the future, where, like, that's the theme of the set, and they revisit it. But I don't think we'll just see random uncommon planeswalkers show up for no reason in a random set. That would, like, obliterate some limited formats. <laughs> Here's the question. Rob, Robden Collins, is the arena pre-order bundle for War of the Spark a good deal? And which new Planeswalker are you most excited about? Who? This is actually a really good question. All right, well, someone someone recap what the deal is. <laughs> okay, so the deal is uh, $50, and you get uh, 40... Oh, man, I'm going to mess this up. 45 no is it <laughs> all right, all right I hold should look on this up. Uh, I'm, I'm searching my email. i'm not sure on the pack number if it's fi- it might be it's 50, 50 for packs. 50 it's 50. okay so 50 dollars. you get 50 packs a liliana you get a liliana planeswalker a set of sleeves and a card style of liliana i believe uh so technically it depends on if you want the card style uh, and the sleeves, you're essentially paying full price for the packs. The same amount that you would pay if you paid for the 45 packs for whatever amount of gems and got the buy a box promo. So the cost is the same. You get the card style and the sleeves for free. The other thing is, it depends on if you'd rather have Tezzeret or Liliana, basically. This gives you a chance to essentially get the same deal as the buy 45 pack deal that's always going on to get the buy a box promo, but get the Liliana Planeswalker instead of Tezzeret. So, Wait, I think do you get that's Liliana, could... or do you just get her style? You get her style. You get her. Uh... Yeah, you you get a Liliana. Oh, you, Wait, you also I, get a Lily. I, I thought it was just the style. Yeah. Oh boy. All right, let's. I'm <laughs> oh sure boy, you now we gotta Liliana. find the email. Oh dear. I'm pretty sure it's I just thought the that, style. I thought that was the whole uh, the whole selling point. If you don't get Liliana, then oh you no, no, never you do, you do, you do. Oh yeah, yeah. Fifty booster packs. One Liliana Dread. General, one Liliana Dreadhorde General card style, and a special sleeve. So basically, you'll have the same deal available without the card style and sleeves 
featuring Tezzeret once the set releases. So if you think you'll play Liliana more than Tezzeret, do this. If you think you'll play Tezzeret more than Liliana, wait and do that. Unless you really want the sleeves, then that's another push towards the pre-order. I guess the second question is, what Planeswalker would you guys choose? Like, if you had to choose, would you rather have Tezzeret or Liliana? I want Tezzeret. I think we talked about this before, and you both said Liliana, right? Liliana. Yeah, Liliana. She's great. I think that's a a sweet card. The art, I mean... The passive ability. <laughs> that's that's what I'm I'm looking at. Yeah. All right. So that's all our fish mail this week. Thank you to everyone who sent them in. If you have questions, send them to at MTG Goldfish on Twitter with the hashtag MTG Fish Mail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And I believe this brings us to the end of episode 219 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard Cribb, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to Audible for supporting the show. And uh, thanks to everyone for listening. So, we'll be back next week, episode 220, talking more War of the Spark and whatever else is going on in the magic world. Until then, have a wonderful week. And this is The Crew signing out. <laughs>